Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Uh, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu, he's also uh, joined IFAST in Washington, D.C., and he's been also practicing bhakti for almost 30 years. He lives out at Gitanagari in um, Pennsylvania at the farm there, and he is a, serves as a pujari for Shishri Radha Damodar, and he works as a professional counselor for young boys and his wife. Uh, he and his wife, Chintamani, are also members of the Grihasta Vision team. Gorvani, please, in, and welcome, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu. And uh, Gorvani, please introduce uh, Shastivar Prabhu, a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, who is also on our panel today. Uh, yes, Shastivar Prabhu is uh, one of my Kirtan mentors, and uh, I've been graced to do hours of Kirtan with Prabhu. He... Uh, uh, I'm not sure which year exactly he joined, but I know that he joined uh, Prabhu's movement as a young man in Henry Street in, in Brooklyn. Is that correct, Justin? Correct, Prabhuji. 1973 is when I came to Washington, D.C. That was still when I was in my uh, previous life somewhere. Um, but uh, Shasiwar Prabhu um, is, uh, has traveled around the world, uh, including preaching extensively uh, in India, and uh, is a great lover of uh, this cult, the culture of Kirtan, and, uh, and uh, has spent many years doing book distribution for Shri Prabhupada. Wonderful. Welcome, Shastibar Prabhu. Thank you for being with us today. Um, and finally, Gorvani, who is going to be hosting this discussion today. Um, he is a second generation uh, devotee, disciple of uh, Radhanath Swami, and uh, he's well known. Uh, travel the world, around the world, doing kirtan, sharing kirtan. And Gorvani has known and served and is uh, a good friend of all the devotees on this panel for many years. So thank you, Gorvani uh, Prabhu, for being with us today and welcome. So I'll hand it over to you right now. Okay. So... Um One of the reasons why I was I was excited to be part of this panel is because I'm a devotee who's completely free from racism. That's just a joke. Um, you know, as this subject has come up for me growing up in the movement, I'm very clear that I have so many limitations in my consciousness. It's been very clear to me as time has gone on how much work I have to do. Um, and I'm just here to serve uh, these devotees. Um, as Ananda said, all of whom I respect and love and and cherish and I'm trying to serve um, and um, I guess just to start you know we just dive right in here just to start um, we can start by offering our obeisances to Divine Gracious Prabhupada Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Tiramani Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharani Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatadeshatarani Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare 
Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So this is a very important and, and deep subject. Uh, something that has been coming to my mind recently is a quote from my Guru Maharaj about how if one says that they love the Lord, then uh, it's not possible for them to simultaneously be feeling envy towards the Lord's children. And to truly love the Lord means to express love for all of God's children and compassion. So, um, so with that being said, um, we had pulled together some questions from different devotees. And um, because our time is limited, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just, uh, of course, invite anyone on this panel who would like to speak. You feel free to get, you know, get, get our attention and, and also chime in on something. But to start with, um, maybe I'd like to ask um, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu to start. Uh, why did you accept the invitation to be uh, part of this panel today? Could you speak to that? Um. <clears throat> To be honest, initially I thought, wow, this is uh, such a touchy uh, subject. Um, so my initial response was no. <laughs> but then I thought about it. Um, I felt that it is important um, being in the body that I'm in and the experiences that I've had, um, that it would be important to try to share something uh, that could help bring more understanding and healing and uh, support uh, for the devotees. And uh, would any of the other devotees on the panel like to speak to that? Why were you willing to to uh, be part of this panel today? So, first let me offer my respects to the, the Floyd family whose loss has been the catalyst of this recent outrage. Um, it was a very, very uncalled for vicious act that has caused quite a bit of unrest, not only here in the States, but around the world. And it is a systemic problem. And what I want to say and some of my main observations are that in a material world, we go from one misery to another. Recently, we've had this pandemic misery. Uh, now we're having economic misery. Srila Prabhupada sums it up in the three ways. There's idiotic miseries that are caused by our own mind and senses. Idiotic miseries that are caused by other living entities, such as this whole case where one police officer took the life of a citizen and he was supposed to be protecting. And then there's the Adi David Kalashas that we're dealing with, which come from the higher forces, storms and this pandemic, this disease is spreading like wildfire around the planet. Uh, we're surrounded by these miserable uh, situations. So I would like to say, when I was growing up, in Brooklyn, New York, Bedford-Stuyvesant, what I would call the ghetto, and I'm going to talk about that word ghetto later on. The time when I was about eight years old, we were dealing with 
assassinations that were occurring. It was very, very a vicious time. Assassination of Martin Luther King. Um, John F. Kennedy was the president, his brother, Malcolm X. It was a very, very tense time, very similar to this time just starting to unfold in the present day. But I've seen consistently in my life, and of course, not only that, there was the Vietnam War that was going on and all of these protests that were, were happening. So this whole business of protesting oppression is a constant drumbeat in this material world. Marge Richard, he, he also had a very, very challenging situation. He, he was cursed. We're talking about having a, a knee on our neck. Well, Marge Richard had the knee of a Brahmin on his neck, and he was cursed to die in seven days, right? So it's, it's very, very sad, these things that happen in the material world. But one thing is very beautiful that comes out of it is that when Sukadev Goswami was narr narrating the Srimad Bhagavatam to Maharaj Pradikshit, he came to the point where he was just describing uh, what was coming in the Kali Yuga. And when Maharaj Pradikshit, even though he was going to die in a few days, when he heard the miseries that the living entities would have to encounter under the, 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 the heavy pressure of Kali Yuga, he became very emotional. Just like I became a little bit emotional when I saw these questions, feeling the pains that are in the hearts of the, the devotees in this present situation. But one beautiful thing is Sukadev Goswami said, My dear Maharaj Rikshet, I feel your pain, but you should know that although there's many, many horrible things going on in this Kali Yuga, there's one very beautiful thing also. And that beautiful thing is that the Lord has become very, very compassionate to the living entities. And he has prescribed a very simple means by which we can conquer this hate. Right? Love. Love conquers hate. It may be a simplistic concept, but it is absolutely the truth. And Lord Chaitanya, who is the manifestation of that motherly love of Srimati Radharani, has given us a very, very beautiful process that can invoke that love in us. And that, that invoking of love can come by us getting together and singing beautiful songs. I mentioned this to Ekavira Prabhu yesterday, right? Let's have a sympathetic, sympathetic, uh, symphonic, that's the word I'm looking for. Let's have a symphonic revolution, right? Let's sing songs, right? And I want to say that my experience with this uh, situation with Martin Luther King and, and all these assassinations, that what really helped me was the beautiful songs that were uh, being distributed in the, in, the, in the community. Such beautiful songs. And that's the same solution now. And the most beautiful song is the Bhagavad Gita. Because that's the song sung by Lord Krishna himself. 
And then there's a Srimad Bhagavatam, which was the song sung by Sukadeva Goswami. And then there's Sri Chaitanya Chattanrita, which is a song sung by Kaviraj Goswami. And then there's some beautiful songs sung by our brothers and sisters. And one song that really impacted me is a song called Man in the Mirror. And I'll talk a little bit about that more later. This beautiful song that was sung by Michael Jackson. It was written by a very beautiful sister called Seda Garrett. Man in the Mirror, right? If you want to see the world become a better place, look in the mirror and make that change. Then there's another beautiful song that one of my godbrothers, he wrote called Change of Heart. Very beautiful song called Change of Heart. Ultimately, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, ultimately there has to be a change. There has to be a change of heart. If people's hearts are not changed, then we will never be able to get rid of racism, uh, classism, humanism, what have you, that impacts the human society. So ultimately, the topmost song is for us to chant the Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Hare. Love conquers hate. Let's sing a song. Over. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Shastri. Um, May I make a comment? I was just going to, yeah, I was, sure, please. Uh, that was really beautiful, Prabhu. Thank you so much. Now, if I may, in terms of love conquers hate, of course, that's absolutely and positively true. So how does that work in, in, in practical terms? How do you make people know that you are, uh, you are trying to offer them some benefit, that you are, uh, acting out of love on their behalf or for their behalf. And my understanding is the way that you do that is by being engaged, being connected, and listening to them. So you, you have to establish a, a relationship. You have to uh, be engaged. You have to try to connect and hear what their particular problems and, and situations are. You know, if you're, if you walk and you see someone who's dying of thirst and you say, okay, you know, I love you. Well, then that, what's your problem? And he says, I'm, I'm thirsty. So then you offer him water, but it, it, it involves some engagement, some listening to what those, what those problems are, what those ailments are, what that, you know, what, um, what he's suffering from. And in this case, what, the, the, you know, there, as you mentioned, that there are all types of, there are always um, reasons for suffering in the material world. In this particular case, the, the impetus of the suffering is white supremacy. And so we should discuss that, in my opinion, and how it manifests in this world, how it impacts all of us in this world. Um, the, you know, the Western culture is the dominant culture of, 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 the, of the world at this, at this point. Western culture is infused with this philosophy of white supremacy. It's what has justified the imperialism, the colonialism, the slavery, and the genocide, which in the West, here in this country, is, is the, the foundations on which the country is built. And this, this white supremacy is something that um, has uh, impacted every single, to one extent or another, has impacted every single individual because Western culture is so predominant. It's actually ubiquitous 
I mean, you know, you grew up in this in, in this country. You know that by the from the time that we're born. I'm speaking as a black body person. From the time that we are born in this body, we are inundated with messages of our worthlessness. You know, black is bad, white is good. Black is ugly, white is beautiful. Black is uh, a, black is criminal. If you're black, you're not so smart. If you're black, you're you you know you're not a good leader. If you're black, you're not worthy. If you're black, then you you know uh, you're um, less than. And and this seeps into not only black people, it seeps into uh, to every uh, to it seeps into the world culture, into how people interact and feel and 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 uh, act in the world on a on a subtle on a um, on a on a subtle level and on a in, in terms of their overt actions. And so it's this mentality, this consciousness that we are recognizing and its impact in terms of how we behave, how people behave toward us, and how it's been inculcated in the institutions of America. And so in addition to, you know, so we hear this, we listen to this, we acknowledge this, and so we need to recognize how this is working within ourselves. We need to recognize how this is working in our own institution, which is ISCON, and its impact in ISCON. And then we need to go about, um, as you say, um, being propagators of this love. And while we're propagating this love through through the um, through the through the chanting of the holy name, we can simultaneously work to help to support those who are trying to break down how this um, white supremacy is in the institutions, is institutionalized and causing so much harm and suffering for the people of America. So I'd love to, thank you, Madhavacharya Prabhu. Um, I, I'd love to hear from Ekavir Prabhu uh, to, to, uh, to follow up on that. You know, we're hearing a lot about this term, Black Lives Matter. Um, to you as a practitioner of bhakti yoga, what does that uh, what does that mean to you? Or how does that strike you? How do you feel about that? Um, thank you, Gaurabhani Prabhu, for uh, your question. And I, I thank uh, Shashiva Prabhu and Madhvacharya for their expressions. Um, both are extremely, not important, but essential um, to actually, first of all, get to some honest, what I think we need to have is honest dialogue. And um, as Shastri Prabhu expressed, I mean, there's no doubt that um, the members of this panel agree that the solution to all of the different difficulties that we have is actually Krishna consciousness. That is the solution. At the same time, um, there are people who are actually struggling struggling. And whenever you have a, a movement that is entitled Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, just think about that. These are a group of people, not only in one segment of society or one city, it's spread throughout the entire uh, country and eventually has had, had impact on other people throughout the world who resonate with this theme. And what is that theme? that my life actually matters. I matter. Why do I have to take to the street and cry blood, sweat, and tears and beg for people to 
come to the realization that I matter, that, you know, yes, I may not have uh, the different resources that you have, but I, I matter. I may not look like you, but I matter. And this affects uh, the reason why it's so important, Black Lives Matter, uh, because it matters even in every circle. None of society is absent of the effects of the seed which manifests in racism. It's a deep seed. Racism is just a, a, a what do you call a, a sociological construct that uh, has eventually developed. But the seed is much deeper. And it doesn't just affect those persons who are considered to be African-American. It affects people throughout the entire world. And so um, it's very important for us to, to understand or try to understand, just you know, open our hearts to another perception, another view, another vision. And I uh, I agree with uh, Shastri that the Shastri Prabhu that the essence and the 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 uh, the conclusion and the solution is to call upon the holy names and re- resound that you know and and encourage everyone throughout every religious tradition every crook and corner throughout the entire world. However. You have people who are suffering. They can't, they can't even hear. They can't even appreciate. And unless we actually, you know, by our example, have the empathy and the compassion to go into these circles and, and at least open our ears to hear, hear their pain, then we may not be able to make that connection to give the holy name. People may not be receptive. So your question in regards to Black Lives Matter and then also why I'm on the panel, that's I'm, I'm trying to incorporate both of those, you know, questions in this, uh, you know, my sharing. And I'm not one that um, gravitates to coming in front of a microphone. Um, I mean, it's very challenging for me to get in front of people and actually to speak. At the same time, during this COVID crisis has allowed me the opportunity to look deep inside my heart and reflect on what type of contribution that I want to make in society and what type of contribution I want to make in, in, in the world, what type of contribution that I want to make in my, in my community. And so um, then, of course, this unfortunate situation came about and I know that I was given this particular body for a reason. And so here we are today. We were asked to come onto this panel, even though I don't have the uh, tremendous desire to jump in front of people and speak. I'm here to somehow in some way make a contribution and if possible to reach persons and to help others if I can to be able to be used as instruments to reach others who are suffering and somehow in some way help them to be become receptive to the holy name. Thank you, Prabhu. Oh, Prabhu, I want to respond to this. So, um, my perspective is coming from some of your um, 
panel's spiritual master, His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, and all glories to Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, my very dear God brother. And I'm going to speak from this perspective, from the uh, perspective of His Divine Grace Srila Prabhupada, my spiritual master, when we brought these type of subjects to him. Um, Bhakti Tirtha Swami many times shared this experience that he had with Srila Prabhupada personally with me. Us being quote unquote both, you know, in these black bodies. We often had conversations of the challenges of having these bodies and coming to ISKCON. And um, it's different kind of there's a lot of root cause analysis that we need to take in order to get to the problem. Um, and one thing he told me, there was this whole thing about in a, back in the 70s, there was an endeavor for us. We had a uh, preaching uh, beautiful temple in um, Henry Street that was, it was mixed. That we had devotees of all different bodies, but there was very few devotees in in the, you know, the black bodies. So there was one devotee that was preaching in Harlem, Then he was a white body. And, you know, he had the, he had the, the, the desire to preach so much that he went to Harlem and he was, he opened up a preaching center in Harlem. And um, he brought a bunch of these uh, black body devotees. I really hate this black body business. It's got me nuts to even say it. But for the, I'm only doing it because of this panel and this situation. Otherwise, I think it's all nonsense. But anyhow, he brought all of these people from the ghetto to Srila Prabhupada, and they all began to voice all of these very same things. And here it is, deja vu. There's nothing new, Prabhu's, what you guys are expressing. It's nothing new. This was brought to Srila Prabhupada back in the 70s. The exact same thing, there's no difference, you know, for what you're expressing about, you know, the, the difficulties of, in the black community, the racism, all of this stuff. There's nothing different. And the Prabhupada sat there very calmly and listened to all the grievances of all the devotees. And Bhakti Titamara spoke out and said, you know, what can we do? You know, we, you know, we have this situation. We want to come to Krishna consciousness, but we're treated like this. We're treated like that. And Prabhupada said, nonsense. When are you going to change? Right? Why are you so focused on your body? And that's why I began with the whole thing, man in the mirror. Make that change. Right? It starts with us. We cannot change other people. We cannot. They have their own karma. They have their own hang-ups. But we can start with ourselves. And if we change, if we de develop love for, for people of other cultures, of other races, and I agree with Madhvacharya Prabhu, Krishna consciousness is a movement of giving. Okay? It's a movement where we go on the streets and we sing, and we dance, and we generously give the holy name of Krishna along with transcendental knowledge and prasadam. How much more giving can that be? 
I remember going to the streets of Nairobi. I remember going to the villages in Nairobi where people never, the people were struggling to get a meal. And we used to go there with large, large pots of kitchery and prashadam. They used to run toward our trucks and we would distribute Krishna prashadam. So the Krishna Consciousness Movement is a movement of compassion. It is a movement of giving. But we need to come to the, the, the root cause analysis of the reason why there's racism. We can't ignore that, right? We cannot say, oh, this is terrible, it's going on, and, 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 and not get to the root cause of it. And the root cause is that in a material world, all living entities, white, black, red, yellow, doesn't matter, we're all born with envy and hate of Krishna. And from that envy and hate of Krishna, it extends to, it extends to race relationships as well. So I'm going to continue to stay on, on this theme as the other panelists can focus more on the, the in, intricacies of living in a black body in this country. Over. So I want to just express something real quick before you... Uh before Madhvacharya Prabhu, please, if I may. Um, that's one of the reasons why we invited you onto the panel, uh, Shastri Prabhu, because we want your genuine perspective. And each and every one of the other devotees on the panel are here to also give um, a perspective. The, the main thing is that uh, we want, ISKCON, is, as Srila Prabhupada expressed, is a, is a place where the whole world could take shelter, regardless of race, religion, or color. And so um, the challenge is, in the day and age, we have to ask ourselves a question, are we really living like that? You know, we have two ways, basic ways of communicating. One is in that which we say, and then the other is that which we, we do, Vaishnav Sadachar. And so when we were on a, a, a panel discussion yesterday, there was one Guru Kuli um, devotee. Kishore Gopal. Kishore Gopal. He spoke so beautifully. I really, encourage, I, re I really encourage all the devotees to take a chance to listen to that uh, panel that, that Ekavir and Bajalila were on just a couple of days ago. It's called The Late Morning Program with Namras. And Ekavir Prabhu uh, speaking about this. A beautiful speech given by Kishore Gopal Prabhu. It was incredibly uh, heart-touching. Yes, it, it, it really was. And, uh, you know, he was expressing his experience of being in the movement for his entire life. He, you know, he shared that he doesn't have a perspective from being outside of the Vaishnava Sangha, all of his experiences inside the Vaishnava Sangha. And uh, the wonderful aspect that he shared is that 90, uh, 80 to 90% of the time, he experiences the love and affection of the devotees. And um, the unfortunate thing is that there is another 10 to 20% of the time in which he uh, has experienced something different. And that's someone who lives and has uh, been a part of the movement. So the, I guess the question is, is if this is a house for um, you know, for the, which the whole world can actually live in. It's really important, and you talked about it, the man in the mirror. You know, it's important for us as individuals to look inside and see what type of message we're actually sending. 
to those persons who desire to come. I know personally when I came, I came and one of the reasons why I stayed and, and, and chanted was because of the loving affection of the devotees. So you're here and we're, you appreciate it. And we want to hear the perspective of, of from you and all the other devotees that are here. So I'd like to thank you, Akira Prabhu. I'd like to hear from uh, the quietest member of the group here, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu. Uh, he, uh, he's just going to speak five words uh, when when given the opportunity and pass it along. But um, a couple of questions that come to mind. Uh, I don't know if you saw that interview uh, with Akira Prabhu and others uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, one of the things that struck me that Kishore Gopal Prabhu said is that we have to really grow up in our Krishna consciousness. We can't only be speaking philosophy and then thinking, well, eventually I'm going to make progress, but I actually need to make active progress right now. I have to take that responsibility to grow up in my Krishna consciousness. Can you speak a little bit about uh, uh, the topic uh, from from the perspective of how do we actually live this philosophy within our own movement? Well, in the context of the topic, um, the title, We Need Each Other, and dealing with the issue of racism, um, African Americans are a minority in the broader society as well as in ISKCON. And um, Madhavacharya Prabhu touched on some of the history related to uh, African Americans in this country. Um, and there's a lot more that could be said around that, uh, but I won't go into that. I, you know, feel free, feel free uh, if you want to add to what was said, please feel free. Don't feel that, that you have to only speak to my question. Okay. Um, I, I really feel that um, I was listening to one class. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Jai Jagannath. He was giving a class last year or something, and he was he was talking about how um, the material world, the way it's designed, um, Krishna provides protection in a lot of ways. Um, in the material world, if we experience suffering, that is also a protection for Krishna. If we experience uh, something that gives us a bad taste in our mouth about this material world, then that's also protection in the sense that it's protecting us from being comfortable in this material world, which which perpetuates the cycle of repeated birth and death. So I think that was a powerful point because the entire world is having a wake-up call, not only because of the coronavirus, but because of uh, what we see on uh, on this video, which is really striking to me, what happened to, to George Floyd. It was painful for me to, to see that. It was very painful for me to see that. It was... Um, but that's just one thing, one incident that was, you know, caught on video. There's so many others that never get caught on video. But what it does is exposes, it makes, it brings a reaction in every single one of us internally. For me, I'm still processing through that, you know, and, um, uh, it's a challenge because it brings, I am an African American man. In this kind of body, I work every day. I live in a rural community, which is predominantly white. Um, and uh, my family is 
has more concerns than I do about going out, you know, but it's a, it's a real uh, thing that's there that just being in this body, uh, like I was thinking about the question about um, Black Lives Matter, what does that mean to you as a practitioner of bhakti yoga? Well, the fact is, if, if I was there in that car that George Floyd was in at that particular time, I don't think it would have mattered if I am a devotee or not. Because the person that, that was uh, there to protect me in, in the position of a police officer would have only seen uh, skin deep, you know. Um, now, that's looking at it in one level. But, of course, I know that there's a, a bigger level that so many things are happening uh, at the sanction of Krishna. You know, so many things are happening through his, his energy, uh, not him directly. But his energies are making so many things happen. And so for me, um, I feel that how this can boil down for devotees, going back to this point about we need each other, well, we each all have a circle of influence. We have friends. We have people that we interact with. Most of us have jobs. And um, all of those uh, situations and people and relationships that we have, we can reach out more. Just ask somebody, how are you doing? What, you know, what do you need? How can I serve you? You know, is there any way I can help you? By doing that, that gives people an opportunity to, to process and work through the many things that are going on, you know, economically, you know, physically, uh, with relatives, friends, so on, um, which creates an opportunity where one can share because you know, I was thinking about this question about we're not the body, okay? I don't think I've heard once my Guru Maharaj and all the time that I've uh, had with him where he addressed anybody with that statement. You're not the body. <laughs> but at the same time, all of his preaching was helping people, uh, connecting with people wherever they are. You know, and that's the opportunity that we have where... Um, we can connect with people wherever they are. Um, so the more that we can create a, a space for healing for people by just being being with people and being present and listening to people, as Madhavacharya Prabhu was saying, um, that can create more connection, which will allow us to share more about how we're much more than this body. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. Madhva yeah. wants to say something. Yeah, Madhva Charipam, please. Well, so, um, thank everybody for their kind and thoughtful contributions. And uh, I'm just really honored to be in all of your association. So, you know, like, you know, I'm a physician. And so, if someone is sick and you have a cure, and, you know, we were talking about the root cause of all of our suffering is our forgetfulness of our, of our physician vis-a-vis spirit souls and, uh, and eternal servants of the Lord. So if someone, as a physician, if someone has, is, is sick, then you treat the root cause of the illness. But in addition to that, if their symptoms are problematic, you also give them something for their symptoms. So if someone has a, a bad infection, which manifests, which is killing them, but it also causes severe pain, you give them something for the pain. It also causes a severe paritis. You give them something for paritis or paralysis, whatever. 
So you do both simultaneously. And, and, and so when we address these issues, we give them the root cause, which is uh, spiritual knowledge for purposes of spiritual elevation and in connection to the Lord. But we also address the symptoms as well. And this, when we do this as devotees, this isn't done because we're on a bodily platform. This is done out of a, out of a, uh, this is an act of, of compassion. You know, Srila Prabhupada said, this is one of my favorite, of the innumerable favorite statements of Srila Prabhupada is said that in Los Angeles, that uh, at the appearance day, I think, of Bhakti Siddhanta, he said that the Krishna consciousness movement means feeling the suffering of humanity. This Krishna consciousness movement means feeling the suffering of humanity. And so our job is to mitigate that suffering. And we do it through, of course, distribution of the holy name, but we do it through, uh, through also treatments of the symptoms, is if, because that is also helpful for people to connect with people. That is also helpful for the ultimate cure to take root and to help transform people. And this, you know. So I, so thank you, Madhvacharya Prabhu. I I know that. Um, Growing up in the movement myself, I've I've witnessed um, a lot of what sometimes people uh, call microaggressions. There's different terms for it, but kind of like um, you know unseen and kind of repeated d ways of dealing with people uh, and within the movement I'm speaking about. Now I know a lot of devotees um, sometimes respond when they see that term Black Lives Matter, and they say. Well, no, all lives matter. The animal lives matter, Prabhu. You know, like, why are we, why are we only talking about black people? Animal lives matter. So I, I wondered if, if, if someone would like to speak to this idea of why it's important for devotees to understand the focus on this particular subject matter and that, uh, and, and that there may be maybe even a microaggression in the way that we're dealing with this topic by, by, by kind of negating, no, Black Lives Matter is not an issue. We want to talk about animal lives. We want to talk about other lives. Can someone speak to that, why that might be considered hurtful or offensive to someone who's experiencing this? Okay. Um, one, one thing I'd like to do is thank uh, Madhvacharya for his, uh, his wisdom in regard to treating the symptoms. So sometimes you may have a general disease that needs to be treated, and then you may have some trying disease that's very important that you may need to address before you can completely address the overall root cause. And I totally agree with that, and he, he gave a very wonderful example. So in this situation, this business of, of racism, particularly from the standpoint of those in, in, in the uh, white community and toward those in the black community is, is something that's coming up again and again that's impacting our lives. And we cannot underestimate the fact that this is a reality. For us to exist in this planet and constantly be harassed because of the color of our skin is definitely, is, is definitely a challenge. And the examples some of the devotees have, and uh, Ekavir Prabhu, I totally related to his example of how moving to different temples, you, you were gre greeted with different responses based on the temple and environment that you went to. So we need to understand that 
there is a serious disease that is there that some medicine needs to be um, injected in order to address that 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 disease with, without a doubt and that's within ISKCON and I hope those devotees and quote unquote white bodies are able to listen to this cry that's happening from devotees right and and to and for them to look in the mirror and think about how they can be a little bit more Krishna conscious right you know the Bhagavad Gita sings that we my so jiva locate Krishna speaks in terms of all living entities not living entities with certain colors of skin so this is 100% a problem in this kind and it is a 100% a problem in in the broader society but I do want to say that due to the efforts of the movements like our movement our Krishna consciousness movement you know the many years of us going out and performing Rathiyatras in which the young younger generation were able to see people of different colors of skin dancing together in the streets during these festivals it is having a gradual effect on society and make no mistake about it right the younger generation is becoming more comfortable with the fact that there there is an appreciation for what everyone brings as as living entities so it is it is taking time but me being probably the eldest on this panel I can say from me the days that I were brought brought up to the days that's going on now there are certain similar things that are going on but it is gradually changing right there is a change that's going on it may be gradual right but it the change is gradually happening you know, as far as this kind is concerned, the same thing. They need to hear the devotees. They need to practice what they preach. Ultimately, if you read Srimad Bhagavad Gita and, and, and the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you'll see that these issues are being addressed. As we our hearts become clear, as we change our hearts, right? As we become purified, then naturally the bodily concept of life will dissipate and we'll be able to appreciate all living entities despite you know whatever situation they're in. Over. Thank you, Shashivar Prabhu. Um, uh, would anyone like to speak uh, to that same question uh, about why there may be some importance in specifically talking about Black Lives Matter as opposed to just kind of lumping it all together to say all lives matter and that that should be sufficient for us as devotees to say. Is there a reason for that focus and specificity at this time? Well, um, I mean, the, the fact that, that someone has to declare um, it, that their lives matter, it speaks to the level of abuse. You understand? I mean, if you are an individual raised in a, in a house where as a child you were abused and minimized and dismissed and belittled and treated as worthless all your, love, all your life, and then you came to a platform or an age where you were introduced to a concept that perhaps, perhaps, um, you know, you are, you, let's say you were introduced to a devotee and you were told that, no, you're loved by Krishna. 
So that fact that you are worthy is something which, because of your history of abuse, you know, it's just something that it's, it's important for you to kind of declare because of that history of abuse, because of that history of, um, of oppression. It speaks to that history, that legacy of oppression that we have to declare, that it, we feel it's important to declare that, yes, my life matters too, that, that, you know, despite how I'm treated by the police, despite how I'm treated by the institutions of society, despite how I'm the, displayed in the mass and the media, that, that's, that's not the fact. That's not the situation. Actually, my life does matter. So, so it speaks, as I said, to the level of abuse. And so when we, you know, dismiss that, because of course, all life does matter, because all life is precious, all life is precious, it it's all comes from the same source, and that's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and we're all parts and parcels of that, of that, uh, of our dear Lord. And so, and so it's just that we should be sensitive to that history of abuse, and, and for that need to declare um, that, yes, I'm coming to this realization that my life also doesn't matter. We need to be sensitive to that, to that, um, to that um, situation. Yes. I reiterate. Yeah, would you like to speak something? Yeah, I reiterate that, that point. If uh, in regards to sensitivity, um, if someone is expressing, they're crying out that, you know, black lives matter, my life matters, and our rebuttal is all life matters, that's a, an indication of the importance to express that black lives matter because someone is in their rebuttal is not listening, not hearing, not appreciating the perspective that is being uh, um, um, enunciated, being, yes, being, uh, yeah, enunciated, being expressed. Shared, spoken. Shared and spoken. Um, so um, why is it an, an, a need to, to change the, the title, so to speak? You know, um, first and foremost, we have to, to appreciate what someone is experiencing. We may not agree. But at the same time, does their particular perspective have value? And once we can actually um, make that connection, that their perspective has value, then we can give another perspective. But unless we actually hear them, once we actually, you know, uh, understand that, that cry, Bhakti Maharaj used to express that all these particular actions are a cry for love. And so... <clears throat> That is that is actually there. So, yes, it's important to at least hear those that are expressing that their life matters. And just as I saw devotees uh, going out yesterday to the Black Lives Matter protests, they're going out and by their presence, they're expressing that we hear you. We hear you, we understand, but also bring something too. And what are they bringing? They're bringing the chanting of the holy name, they're bringing uh, prasadam, um, you know. So yes, have the empathy, have the compassion of what someone ex is experiencing and bring something to them that can elevate the consciousness in the, in the situation. 
There's a uh, follow-up question to that, which I can pass to maybe you, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu. Uh, what are your views on devotees participating in social justice movements? And second part of that is, if ISKCON is not participating in social justice movements, why should other people feel that our, our philosophy has relevance to them? I think you're on mute there, Prabhu. Sorry. Okay. I think that's a good question. Um, and I think Ekavira, he, he already just mentioned that there are devotees that are actually participating directly in the protest. I think um, we, we could almost say that, uh, well, first we could ask the question, what does it actually mean to participate in, the, in this uh, movement against uh, this social injustice? Um, because there's many ways to participate, actually. You know, some were already mentioned. Um, but uh, like I know I'm, I've been really inspired by my own daughter, who are, through social media, uh, preaching and finding ways to share, to connect with people, and to provide some kind of healing, as well as through care time. And so that, that is happening. It is happening in this unlimited ways for people to, to uh, participate. Because, it, for example, if one person makes one small shift within their heart, and then they come in contact with another person, then they actually have more to give to be able to help another person. And there's so, many of that, so much of that going on in the world amongst people, not just, and especially devotees, because there's, uh, devotees see things on a deeper level than most people. You know, we, we have, you know, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, not just a one life perspective. We understand karma and how so many things are connected. For example, I remember Bhakti Chitamaraj, some of the things he would say is that if someone is so adamant and so strong about, uh, well, a particular issue, well, guess what? In the next life, they're going to be on the other end of it. It's almost like karma giving you an opportunity to get to be in another person, be in another person's shoes, in that kind of person's shoes. Okay? So if somebody's been a slave master at one time, then they may come back as a Jew in a concentration camp, you know, things like that something that actually gives them the opposite of what they actually experience so they can try to learn the lessons from it. Um, so the devotee brings a, a broader perspective to, um, to everything. And so um, when we're doing so many different things, we're coming, coming in contact with people. Like I know some devotees locally here in Githanagri also participated in uh, protests here. But not every single devotee is going to do, you know, uh, or protest or do uh, some type of uh, statement against the social injustice in the same way. But one thing's for sure, I think we all are affected by it, you know, and we all want to do, want something to be done. We want things to change, right? And we want, devotees want the ultimate change, but I think we can't expect everybody to, to uh, be involved in the same way. 
And I know some of the people who have the most deepest care about what's going on, but you'll never see them in the protest. <laughs> like Radnaswamy, for example. You know, he's serving on another level in many other different ways. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't care, right? So we have to see things like that, that, that people are dealing in their different uh, arenas with so many different issues. Uh, let's speak of what the current issues are. Shastivar Prabhu had, had shared with me um, a story about his life as a young man, um, as a young Christian man. Shastivar Prabhu, would you would you be willing to share that that anecdote that you shared with me? Gurvani Prabhu is kind of pushing the limits today. <laughs> I have only one service here. I have to massage the lotus feet to draw out all the nectar from you devotees. So please. So essentially. Jagannath Prabhu just pretty much re repeated that story. It just it was a little bit more real to me. So when I was very young, I was uh, after these assassinations happened, and one of my dear friends was killed by his own parents. I was a very distressed young lad, and I was I I loved Jesus, and I still love Jesus, and I used to pray to Jesus as as. Just like I'm looking at Gaurani Prabhu now, I used to look in Jesus' eyes and, and, and pray to him very sincerely. You know, when I had problems with the, how things were going on in society. So I, pray, I prayed very deeply. And at night I had a very profound dream. And Jesus came to me and he said, and he was laughing. He was laughing. And he said, why are you so distressed? And I said to him, you know, why are you laughing at me? And I'm a young person in distress, but you're laughing at me. And then he said, then I told him, you know, there are so many people of color that are being tortured and, and they're, 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 their lives are so miserable. So then Jesus gave me a vision of this person, the slave owner that was torturing this, this, this slave. And he was laughing. He said, look at this. And I was looking, I said, I know this is the problem. This is the problem, the abuse, the oppression. So then he said, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes, and he said, now open up again. So when I opened up the eyes, I looked at the picture, and the picture was reversed. The person that was a slave owner had then become the slave. And I could understand that the roles had changed, that that person that was doing the oppressing became the oppressed. So that was a very profound lesson in my life to understand the process of karma. And that takes us back to this whole root case, this whole root cause analysis of understanding the law of karma and how ultimately we cannot escape from the grips of Daivi Prakriti, right? The, the material energy, who ultimately has her knee on all of our necks, right? The material energy, she has her knee on our necks. And we are being oppressed constantly by Daivi Prakriti, right? Who is like our bad foster mother, mm -hmm. right? She's torturing us. She's our bad foster mother. So... If we become a Krishna conscious, and, and, and the cry that I feel that's happening in this world is that people are looking for the love of their mother, right? 
because the the love of the mother is unconditional and is so beautiful and and it was stated during this whole memorial ceremony of Mr. Floyd that he was crying out for his mother yeah. during his last breath. He was crying out for his mother. And I truly think that the human society is calling out for that love of the mother because the society has become too much a society of the bad foster mother, right? We've become such a transactional society where everything has become a business deal, right? Everything has become a, a, a profit deal. Just imagine if every day when the sun was rising, if there was an email that was sent around all of the, the various countries and it said that, I'm not going to rise unless you pay so-and-so amount of money. Imagine how life would be. Imagine if you sat at your dinner table with your parents and your parents said, you're not going to get dinner unless you give me so-and-so amount of money. How, how, how would you feel? There is a part of our life that we are able to get love, right? Well, we expect love. And unfortunately, the, the, the leaders of society, they do not have this compassion. The, the, the capitalism puts so much pressure on us, no matter what color we are, no matter what background we're in. We feel oppressed. And we take that oppression out, it manifests in racism, it manifests in classism, it manifests in materialism, it even manifests in so-called spiritualism. And we've all expressed those, those, those very points. You know, one thing that we can analyze, and, and we're, not, we're talking about race-to-race -race problems, but what about family-to-family -family problems, right? What about race-to-race -race problems? You know, Arjuna was tortured. He was oppressed by his own cousin brother. They tried to poison them when they were when they were little. They, his own uncle put him in a house of, of, of lack, tried to burn him up, right? So there is problems. There's racial problems. There is very serious family problems that are happening. Where the, the father's abusing his own children. Where the brother's abusing the system, the sister, right? There is white-on-white white crime. There's black-on-black black crime. These are all problems. Martin Luther King was killed by a white person, but John F. Kennedy was killed by a, a white person. So was Robert F. Kennedy, right? Malcolm X was killed by another black person. So we have problems with black-on-black, white-on-white. This whole mature world is full of so many issues, so many problems. I want to end with one thing that I, I brought up. And... I mentioned at the beginning the word ghetto. So there was a very nice question for us to meditate. There was one question that said, can you meditate on two different words, right, that you feel are important? So I wanna, I wanna bring up two words. And according to my experience, first word is ghetto. I want everyone to think what comes in their mind when they hear the word ghetto. And then the other thing that I, the theme that I've been harping on is change, right? Einstein said that it's insanity for you to do the same thing again and again and again and expect there to be change. We have to do something different, right? We cannot conquer hate with hate, right? Hate has to be conquered with love, 
right? All right, so you've all thought about this word ghetto, right? So here's what ghetto means to me, and I'm going to share you where I got that from. Ghetto means, G means greatness, right? H means happens. E means even. T means dull. Dare. T means dare is. And the O means oppression. Right? You get it? Ghetto means greatness happens even though there is oppression. You get it? Even though there is oppression, there is still greatness coming out of the black community. Right? And, and there's so many examples in so many fields, in the social field, in the educational field, the political field, scientific field, sports field. And ultimately, despite all this oppression that came in the black community in my life, we had President Barack Obama, some, someone who I never in my wildest dreams thought in this racist, white supremacist country that they would elect someone of color in the White House. It was inconceivable, right? So we need to understand that from oppression comes greatness. Arjuna was oppressed by Duryodhana. He was oppressed by his family members. The Pandavas were oppressed. But greatness came. Lord Krishna came personally to their rescue, right? Jagai and Madai, right? There's a perfect example of of the change that need to happen. The world is full of Jagai's and Madai, right? It's filled with them. Madai abused Lord Nityananda and made his forehead bleed. Lord Chaitanya was going to cut the head of Madai. Immediately, he was going to cut his head. Lord Nityananda grabbed him and said, My dear Lord, you have come in the form of Radharani. You've come to give love. The living entities now are hankering for this motherly love in this human society. That's why the kids are running around in the streets now. They are being tortured by their, this foster, foster mother of society. And they're hankering for Radharani's love. So Lord Nityananda said, My dear Lord, Madai, he has made my head bleed. But Jagai, his heart has changed. His heart has changed. By the influence of Lord Chaitanya, even though Jagai and Madai were the most horrible, racist, murdering, they were thieves, they were the worst human beings you can possibly imagine, these two rascals. And when the planet is full of Jagais and Madai. But just by coming in contact with Lord Chaitanya for a split second, Jagai immediately changed his heart. And it was because of the heart change of Jagai that Lord Chaitanya listened to Lord Nityananda, right? And by that change, everything, the whole mood became changed. And Madai had also a change of heart. He, be, he, he, he went from the most lowest human being to a sadhu, to a saint. So those are my two words. Ghetto. Meditate on that. Greatness happens even though there's oppression, right? Some good can come out of oppression. And the other thing is change. We have to change our hearts. And the other part of the question was, can you share a wonderful story in that regard? And a wonderful So I apologize. I just want 
We're at uh, 2.22, and I wanted to also get some closing statements from the other devotees because the session ends at 2.30. So um, just wanted to make you aware of the time. Uh, well, this is going to be my closing statement. So recently, Rukmini Mataji very nicely posted the video of uh, Krishna Nandini giving a very nice narration of her mother, Bhu Mata, my god sister, who I admired so much. And I never knew the whole story of, of what had happened with that family. I knew that they had some challenges when they first came to the temple. And it was so beautiful to hear her describe what happened to her, that she came to the temple with all of her five children, and she was rejected at one temple. And then they were wandering around the, the country trying to figure out where they would go. They wanted to take shelter of Krishna, right? So Krishna directed the Madhaji to go to Dallas where Srila Prabhupada was. Hmm? And that was the most wonderful, wonderful story. That she was directed to go to Dallas and Srila Prabhupada was personally there. And although she was rejected at the other temple, she was accepted with, within a loving embrace, embrace of Srila Prabhupada. And as a result of that, she got to take initiated, initiation on, on Radharani's appearance day. So that was a beautiful realization that I got. And um, that's my comments for today. Over. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you so much for being part of this panel. Uh, Jagannath Pandit Prabhu, got to unmute you. Um, <clears throat> I don't really have much more to say, just that um, some people are looking for more concrete action from the devotees. Well. We all, that all of us that are 18 or over, we can, we can vote, okay? We can uh, try to take some other action in whatever arenas that we're in. Um, but most importantly, I really feel that anything that um, we experience in this material world, it can help us to, as Sashi Prabhu was saying, to look in the mirror, okay? Because there's, there's so much more that we can do Unless we're pure, you know, then I know I'm not. I, I still have so much more to work. I'm still have this bodily conception that I'm trying to transcend. Um, so we can use these things as opportunities to grow within ourselves. And from going deep within ourselves, then that helps us to go deep outside of ourselves with other people. Give that opportunity. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you for being part of this panel, and uh, we do hope that this is the first of, of, of panels on this, because there's so many issues that we haven't even begun to to discuss. Ekavir Prabhu? Or would you prefer Madhvacharya Prabhu to go? Madhvacharya. Okay, Madhvacharya Prabhu. Okay, Ekavir is my big brother. He should go first. <laughs> I'm telling you to go, so your big brother just gave it. All right, big brother. Um, I mean, I didn't prepare a closing statement. Uh, I would just say that you know, ultimately, you know, our, our desire is to be used as instruments of love in this world and to be instruments of compassion and to connect people back to the ultimate source of love, which is Shishirada Gopinath. And um, so we, we need to be, that, that means we have to be spiritual warriors, as my spiritual master would say, and we have to fight Maya. And one of the m most ubiquitous and pernicious forms of Maya, as, it, as she presents or he presents in this world, is white supremacy. So we should examine how that impacts our society. We should examine 
how that has influenced us and our consciousness and our behavior, both subtly and overtly. And we should examine how it has impacted and influenced our institutions, including ISKCON, uh, so that we can um, ultimately, with Krishna's mercy and help, defeat it and become more um, effective instruments of, of love in this world. Thank you, Mavachari Prabhu. I think anyone who knows you feels that you're quite an effective instrument of love in this world, uh, at least speaking for myself and my family. Thank you very much, Prabhu. Um, I'm grateful to you, Gaurabhani Prabhu, Shashivar, Madhvacharya Prabhu, uh, Jagannath Pandit, for um, allowing us to be a part and to associate with you all. Um, I think this is the first of many necessary heartfelt discussions in our movement because um, I look at those devotees like Madhvacharya and Jagannath Pandit who also joined through ISKCON. These are persons that are like, you know, gems in my life. They're they're, uh, inspirations for me, examples of uh, fathers, examples of devotees, examples of husbands. And I hate to think that if they were came through a different situation, if Krishna didn't allow or didn't arrange the situation that they came to Krishna consciousness, um, we could have missed their association. And so my point is that everyone that comes to Krishna consciousness, they're actually gems. And we don't want to miss the opportunity to see how these gems began to shine and to, to share and to serve alongside of these, these devotees. So it's extremely important for us to look into our hearts and see how we can become better examples of the principles that we speak about in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, you know, Vaishnava Sadhacha, becoming empathic, compassionate, loving examples of Krishna consciousness. And of course, we may not, you know, be pure devotees. I'm not, of course. But at the same time, our t- intention should be there to somehow in some way connect uh, someone else to to Krishna. And so um, I thank you all. And thank all of the persons who are participants today for joining us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I know there are a lot of questions and comments in the chat that didn't get addressed. Uh, uh, you know, the, the conversation was, was going on its own course. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, I hope that, uh, I know Ananda has been paying close attention, and I hope that uh, there's some way that this conversation can continue, and devotees are asking specifically about how to organize uh, within our community to create more deeper understanding and actually some some action that we can take together. So I hope that uh, we as a temple community, uh, it's kind of D.C., greater area, can uh, can support that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Please forgive my offenses. I love you all enormously, and I'm very grateful for the service. Um, I look forward to doing this again soon, if if uh, the devotees are willing. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
Dankeschön.